Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Some really awful. We and we like rule out political ones right off the bat. Sure, sure. Um, oh man! Unless they're like, uh, like there was one that almost super clever. There's no one that was almost. If they're hitting both sides, there's one that almost made it. Of course, it was it was uh, Congress is back in session or something like that. But there's only one pig, so it's, um, it didn't quite work. Yeah. 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 So, hey, pork joke. Exactly, pork bellies. <laughs> hey. There were a lot of pork belly jokes. A lot of a lot of times people just send in. A description of what's in the picture. It's like, that's, oh, are you serious? That's the I'm serious. Yeah, it's like, oh, he is fat. He's a fat pig in the mud. Yeah, yes, that's exactly what's in the picture. <laughs> Caption. All righty, pig in the mud. <laughs> yep. So I was going to ask you, is if you, if anybody else on? Facebook, oh, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, if geez. anybody saw the uh, the the weird thing about the chiropractor who was trying to come up with a new uh, um, solution for women's periods. No, I haven't heard a thing about this. Gluing the labia together. What? Really? Yep. Yep. That'll stop it, I uh-huh. guess. It, it says it's supposed to be a temporary glue that somehow the blood doesn't break the glue seal, but the urine will. So whenever you urine, how is and, this? Uh, and does it, he and not work? realize that? Yeah. Yeah. No, apparently not. So how is this better it's, than the cork method? It, yeah, exactly. He's been getting a rash of shit. First of all, for being a chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First, First of all, <laughs> most chiropractors have not been to medical school. Right. Just so people out there know. Yep. And the ones that have usually specialized in nothing. Mm-hmm. They did general medical. And then because they don't really teach chiropractic in medical school... They just decided they right. were going to be a chiropractor and right. then went to some chiropractic academy, which, po- which is not an accredited thing, people. I, I posted on Facebook. It's, it's, it's like a lipstick. It's, it's actually lipstick glue. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. So you Lipstick. <laughs> oh, you Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Yep>. wow. <laughs> that's what the guy, that's Holy guy's, shit. part of the guy's marketing thing. That is, that is and, and, that, and I, I posted that that was his, you know, his final idea after he tried the idea of the hot glue. Or the uh, binder clips or the staples. Yeah, <laughs> binder yeah. clips. Binder clips. Oh, That's I good. love binder Listen, clips. Listen, I got a whole set of modeling stuff over right. here. I got right. solutions, right. ladies. I got solutions. And I, and I double-checked with my lady friends, which I thought I thought would happen if it actually worked, which couldn't possibly work. But if you did manage to seal that shut up and keep the blood in there, toxic shock's in yes, every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah. God damn it. It's like as much as, as versatile as binder clips are, they're not that versatile. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would hurt. You think? <laughs> well, you know, they, they, actually, there probably are some people out there who, you know, already Sure, done that, yeah, yeah. After uh, the nipple I've nipple seen clips. that website. I smell a future in Congress for this man. Yo. <laughs> Clamp him by the pussy. <laughs> uh, he'll be the deal. He'll wind up being the head of uh, Health and Human Services. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> to up the creepy, skeevy Uh-oh. story scale along those lines. I will be impressed if you can do that. I, I, uh, I'm about to. Oh, my God. Um, He's going to raise Chris. I, uh, I do work as a standardized acting patient at Turo University. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, a lot of the students I work with are osteopathic doctors, DOs, mm-hmm. who 
in addition to the osteopathic medicine, they actually study medicine. So they're actually medical doctors. Mm -hmm. There was an osteo... Did you guys see the article about the U.S. gymnasts accusing a team doctor of molestation? No. No, I didn't see that. So I... I, I I was just reading this because, you know, I'm a disgusting human being. And then it caught my attention because the team doctor is an osteopath. Hmm. And what he was telling the girls, and there were, there were three of them who have publicly come out, and there are others who are stepping up now, is that he could help their hips by he has one hand on their leg and their hip, and he inserts fingers into their vaginas what? to pop the hip back into place. Huh. These are... So that's what that magic button's for. Competing U.S. gymnast girls. Oh, God. So it's not like he's even trying this with 20-somethings or 30-somethings. Oh, These are the teen girls. Ew. Now, he did it, and he would do it without gloves, and he would do it... Just him and the girls. Mm-hmm. And the girls were all like, in the competitive environment, he's saying he's helping, you do whatever you can, but they feel off. And so there was this whole, and eventually they came out. Mm-hmm. My body is full of skeeve mm-hmm. right Dude, now. Yeah. A, here, here's the capper. Oh, really? Side note at the bottom of the article. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, there is an osteopathic treatment where you reset a hip joint by inserting fingers into the vagina. And I was just like, wow. what the fuck? <laughs> but apparently, you know, that's you- nothing we ever encountered in my work. Mm. You know what would prevent that? Glue. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the apparently, if that's being done, of course, you wear gloves, and more importantly, because the girls were minors, you have a chaperone present. You yes. establish all the protocol for doing yes. this kind of thing. So you need a witness to finger a teenage gymnast? Welcome to Geek Shocks, uh. folks. It is number 376. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check, Dandy. And we're here to talk Weekend Geek. Uh, Matt's taking the night off, but he will be back. Uh, Paul, is, of course, has a very, very busy schedule. So he is taking some extended time off. So he will be back eventually, I assume. But uh, until then, we will soldier on without. So, gentlemen. Yeah. What did you do this week? What you want to share? Um, I watch a shitload of uh, videos. I, I sat around and watched Netflix like all Saturday while I was working on a project. That sounds like a fantastic day. It was fun. Day. It was fun. I watched a whole bunch of capers. I watched the end of... Capers. Yeah, I watched well, I watched the end of the third season of Blacklist, which is brilliant. Hmm. Um, um, and so I was like, "Oh, I need something else that's like that." So I watched Ocean's Twelve. I watched uh, um, uh, Lucky Number Seven, which I'd never seen before, and that okay. that's oh, yeah. amazing. Uh, Bruce Willis and um, right, um, uh, Judge Josh, Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. Yeah, I had, couldn't think of his name for a second. Yeah, what's that, the name of that magic one? Now you see me. Is that's that... good. Yeah, now you see me. It's fun too. I've the seen sequel that. was uh, not so good, but yeah, I, didn't see I mean, that. it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't as good as the first one. The yep. first one really surprised me. I saw that in the theater, and I was like, "Wow, that's probably the last <laughs> caper film I saw and really enjoyed." Yeah, I watched that. I watched. Uh, I watched the two Disney films that I can watch anytime, which is uh, Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Stitch. Aha! Lilo and Stitch still every goddamn time makes me cry. Lilo and Fucker. St- I still adore Stitch. Aha, I- that means family. Fuck you, Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> Emperor's New Groove is like, 
it's it's clearly a Disney film, but it's so not a Disney yeah. film at the same time. Yeah. And you know, it's just David Spade humor comes right through. And, and Eartha Kit, man. Oh yeah. Why do we even have that lever? <laughs> <laughs> ah, um, yeah, man, that that is a fun one. I used to irritate Federico, our, our co-worker from mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek: The Experience, because he and I went and saw uh, Emperor's New Groove, and the scene when she's transformed as a cat, and mm-hmm. she's like, uh, and uh, what the what does she say? She does this maniacal. <laughs> I should get you all, or something like that, and then does that. <laughs> I turned to Fed, and I was like, "God, that's that's you right there." And it, 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 forever since I'll do, I'll make that joke to him, and he he gives me a side eye look, mm. squeak squicker, squeak squeaking. Yeah, I, I um, yeah, it, you know, Patrick Warburton is just yeah, it was just yep, and John Leland when Lilo mm-hmm. Stitch came out. I actually bought a little stuffed stitch. That's how much I loved mm-hmm. it. Aww. Absolutely loved it. It's no, precious. A... Although I, too, watched a Disney Netflix film this weekend. Oh. Very happily. Uh, an, an enjoyable one. It goes back to my childhood. 1961's masterpiece, Haley Mills and Haley Mills in oh, The Parrot Lord. Trap. Wow. <laughs> I, I didn't know what I wanted to watch. Mm-hmm. And there... It was. That's what I was. I've I was seen whole, it. I was looking at horror movies, and I'm like, oh, Parent Trap. And that's, yeah. That's funny. That's on my recommended, too, actually. Mm. That pops up now and again. I would think Parent Trap would qualify as a horror movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, and last night, Frankie and I watched half of um, um, da, 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 the Santa Corita Diet. That's the, the Drew Barrymore zombie thing. Yes. It is wonderfully funny and dark. Is it now? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, uh, Nathan Fillion in the first episode. Really, um, I don't know. Who, I don't know who the guy who playing her husband is, but he's he's great. Tim Oliphant. It's Tim Oliphant. Oh, it is Tim Oliphant. I didn't recognize him. Um, yeah, he's he's a great actor. Oh, I've liked him in everything. In fucking Deadwood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and just um, yeah. I mean, I, I was expecting it to be kind of funny and quirky, and uh, but man, is it get right in the first episode? It gets really dark and gory. I, I like mean, it already. It is just like whoa, oh, ah. and I was eating. I was like, oh, nope, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, yeah. be bold because yeah. I, I I haven't heard much about it yet, and so I've no, like yeah. I say I've watched I mean, it's ten episodes I think, and we've watched five or six. So okay, I'll watch the rest before next week. Let you Very know how it goes. cool. Now with Parent Trap. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, that's all right. What I really enjoyed is just how many scenes there are that you can overtly see the body double. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's like Karen Connor or something her name was, but but it's, it's, she's definitely not Haley Mills. And there's a few scenes so that you're like, who's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I never caught that as a kid. But yep. well, it not so much in movies, but like television shows from like the 50s and 60s. Now that they've been up converted to high definition, like a lot of times of they've course, gone back to the original filmed material. Uh, it's really impressive the number of times you can clearly see the face of like the stunt double or the body double. That's exactly and, what it is, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's well, that's why like, I couldn't see it before. Oh, that's well, like but the, see in the, the remastered TOS. Yes, that's exactly skirt, what I was referencing. With, with, with Skirk. Skirt is right. Skirk. <laughs> Kirk's stunt double. Uh-huh. There's a lot of... There's a lot of Whoa. <laughs> and it's funny because he and his stunt double actually look fairly similar in real life. But the scenes where, uh, well, especially uh, Enemy Within, 
when it's his stunt double yeah doubling him in the you know in the shot reverse shot scenes it's really clear that it's his, his in, in some of the reverse scenes like you'll catch like the side of the face you can totally tell it's not Shatner you know, you know what part of it is I think the stunt double had fuller hair oh, it could oh. be that too <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot actually from the back. You're just like, yeah, that's not. No. That's yeah, not like, the back of Shatner's head. Wait a head. minute, that no. hairline trimming is a little yeah. different. Well, here. it's also it, at that <laughs> point, it's just a little thinner. It's right. not, you know, it, it's not as poofy as the the, the stunt double. Gotcha. I watched uh, Silver Streak too, and and Gene. That's Wild- not nerdy. <laughs> that's what it. See now, I, uh, no. <laughs> and uh, Gene pre-show Wild- joke. Folks. Gene Wilder gets thrown off the uh, train. And I was like, oh, that's a stuntman in a Gene Wilder wig. Yep. <clears throat> okay, what's the plot of Silver Streak? He is a... Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Why boy. are you asking? The only two... What? Films what? of, of Byron Wilder it. that I've seen. What? Is Stir Crazy and Hear No Evil See, uh, Speak No Evil. Stir, those those, stir, those are evil. not the best, too. Oh, whoa, oh, whoa, but, dude. Stir Crazy is amazing. Slowly rolling Stir Crazy. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know. I really like See No Evil. Gro- Grossberger, no you're hurting me. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, he's a guy on a train who uh, there you go. falls in love with a... Well, he ends up spending the night with a woman. And, oh, yeah. And then it ends up uh, being... Oh, it's Gene. I thought I was thinking Briar. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. no, no. Uh, and then it ends up being a um, mystery, yeah, a caper, Mercer. caper. Exactly. Uh-huh. There's another caper. Following your the Rembrandt letters. That's right, the Rembrandt letters. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, he he gets uh, he keeps he's trying to come back and solve this thing, trying to save the girl, and he keeps getting thrown off the train. Okay. Yeah, the girl he sleeps with is involved in something that turns out to be a big forgery, blah, 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 yeah. in the art world, going to turn things upside down, but yeah, it's not. Fire doesn't show up until about an hour in the movie. Right. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. And in a stunning act of equality and non-racism, he plays a bus por- uh, train porter. No, he plays a thief who, who uh, disguises himself as a bus porter. Oh, there well, you that go. just yeah. does that one. There you go. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> God. It is funny. Yeah, yeah it, it's a great yeah. movie. The 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 lead up to the lines, I just hope we don't meet any Muslims. Is, right. Is yes. awesome. Yep. But yep. it's also Silver Streak is known because it has the spectacular train oh, yeah. crash at the end, oh. which is yeah. basically really driving yep. well, uh, driving a, a it's a life size train going through a train station. It's thing. an amazing oh, wow. visual thing. Mm-hmm. Um it's also just funny for the looking back at the time because the seduction scene is just so over the top. This is the seventies. Yeah. It is so disco bell bottoms, uh, double entendre, hilarious. This is what seventy funny. Yeah, um, something like that. Somewhere in there, yeah. Okay. Something in there. Seventies, man. <clears throat> Jill Clayburg. Yeah, Jill Clayburg. And uh the prisoner. The prisoner? Prisoner. Number number three, number five, whatever is fine. Patrick. Oh, Mc- okay. McGowan. Okay. McGowan right. or McGee? McGoo. McGee. McGowan. One of those. One of those McGee guys. And Ned. Was it McGoo? And Ned Beatty. Okay, I thought you were going to yeah. tell me about 1976. 76. Okay. Wow. No, he is. He's uh, he's in the. It's <clears throat> Arthur Hill, right? Arthur Hill's done a whole bunch of action films, right? Yeah, you know that was back McGoon. in the days when directors were not necessarily. Uh, if you were a specialist director, it's because you did a lot of westerns. Mm-hmm. But otherwise. You were all over the fucking place. Right. It's like when you look at Robert Wise, who did Star Trek, the motion picture, 
He had one other science fiction film, Day the Earth Stood Still, and otherwise he's all over the mm. fucking place. Billy Wilder, all of those directors, including didn't I, Arthur Hill. Didn't he do like, uh, didn't Taking a Pelham One Two Three? Is that Arthur Hill too, or I, you know, something like, like that. that? Yeah, so they're all over. They they do so yeah. much different stuff. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah, that sucker's on Netflix. Watch it. Silver Streak's definitely worth a watch. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's yeah. It is. I mean, I love Stir Crazy. Uh, Silver Streak is a better technically better made it's probably i think it's probably the the finest technical wilder uh, okay. prior movie but, but stir crazy is just a series of vignettes they're crazy is just fucking it's fucking hilarious because yeah. they did so much so much improvising and off the cuff in the prison scenes i mean that shit was just oh, hilarious good yeah. god and I love the guy that played Grossberger yeah. was had like this full operating. It's the same guy that was in uh, the Running Man, as with all the electronics all over him. Oh, oh right, right. Oh. yeah, singing. Yeah. yeah, see, he had this beautiful singing voice, and you can see him in the movie uh, Stir Crazy, wearing the ring of his singing group from the prestigious college that he went to. Uh. It's, yeah, it's so funny too because they get put in that cell with him and they're just like dying because it's like, oh my God. And then, you know, everything's better. But yeah, that was, that was just. When they lose their shit when they're first put into prison is great. Oh. I, I, okay. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Oh, oh, Andy. Well, so much <laughs> for that test. phone. <laughs> it's not liquid, folks. We're good. Yep. What else you do this week, gentlemen? I watched three quarters of Passengers. Mm-hmm. I had to leave. I was at a friend's house and I had a little dinner, but I had to leave for work. So you almost finished Passengers. I almost <laughs> finished Passengers. <laughs> He's stealing your bid, Andy. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, which is, you know, it's interesting. It's funny because the basic premise is essentially appalling, um, but uh, it's, it's uh, what? So, so pretty no, no. good until you don't know how it ends. Yeah, I don't know how it ends yet. I have to see. I mean, I can guess. I know how Hollywood ended it. We, you know, you can. But I uh, just haven't done it yet. <clears throat> so it was funny, too, because it's with friends who were who were streaming. <laughs> uh, so I'm watching this movie. With I think fucking, I know the friends you speak of. I'm watching this movie with Chinese subtitles. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, why do you... <laughs> This is. This uh, is the same people that they they were laughing at the people walking in front of the screen. And oh they, my uh, god! They thought that was so charming. Yeah, charming. That was Zootopia, where all the signage in the movie was in Spanish, <laughs> and so it was like, uh, okay, I uh, we understand, and it's blurry, of course. And I'm like, why the fuck do you even think this is acceptable to watch? You're seriously... You can't even tell it's a double for Haley Mills. Right. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? You're seriously you're seriously getting off on watching a movie for free, which I don't agree with. Right. If you're in dire straits, there's just no way you're going to pay money for the movie. I'm going to piss off people by saying this, but I don't have that much of a moral problem with you streaming if you were never planning on spending the money in the first place. But if you're watching a blurry movie with subtitles and people getting up and walking across the screen, at that point, I'm like, what's the fucking point? Yes. What really? Come on. So, 
It was, it, but you know, it's really funny though because I did realize about halfway through, I wasn't seeing the subtitles anymore. It was bizarre. I just wasn't. Not that they weren't there. Oh, I just okay. they just, weren't registering. You were turning, right. Tuning them out. Yeah, yeah I, I tuned them out because it. I mean, it's it, not. It's, it's the same reason why this big stack of boxes behind you are, have, have stayed there for the last, you know, seven months. <laughs> because I just don't see them. Eventually, anymore. it disappears. Well, that and the fact that it's Chinese characters, so. When you see Latin alphabet, your brain is instantly right. I must read, even though it's foreign language. But with Chinese characters, eventually, it actually just becomes part of the landscape, and yeah. your brain. So you've stopped seeing the Fnords. Yeah, exa- yeah, you know, but it's it's yeah. I uh, but anyway, it was it is interesting. But yeah, it is the uh, the 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 basis of it it's funny too cuz i heard people before i saw it commenting on it oh my god the stalky aspect of it ooh uh and i was like oh get over yourselves well, but I mean, it's based in psychological oh know, sure. sure observations it's like it's like how long is somebody that is by themselves that has the potential to not be alone anymore going to hold out and before even though what they would you know in most normal situations morally would not allow themselves to do what he did in the movie Mm -hmm. in waking up the other passenger right and you know it's like how long i mean in fact it's even in the movie they said well how long did you hold out and was it it a year a year like a year and like a month that's usually far beyond the typical right so yeah and Lawrence fishburne's all like damn so but Mm -hmm. So far, good. You know, Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt. Of course, it's nice and convenient as Jennifer, you know. It'd be great if it was, you know, like uh, Kevin Smith waking up Jennifer Lawrence and, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like poor Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it, you know, I can hardly wait to finish it. And it's not anywhere. I looked for it everywhere. Sure. I, I'm. You know, hey, in that nebulous time, Netflix, Amazon Prime, all of you fuckers, when you put a title into the search and you start listing the prompts, if you don't have the fucking movie, don't put it in your goddamn (laughs) list. (laughs) I'm like P A S S. Oh, passengers, click, and then all these movies with passenger themes come up, and I'm like, mother fucker, and everybody did it. All of the stream, all of the services I have, the legal paid for services, I have did that, and I was just like, "Mother, they know what they're doing. They're hiring those yep. people, right?" Also, I'm watching Bleach, an anime oh. series. Oh. Uh, okay, this, I, I've heard of Bleach. I know nothing of Bleach. It's pretty cool. I pulled the trigger and I got the Crunchyroll app. Oh, because I I I mart. <laughs> I was looking at Crunchyroll.com on the internet where you can watch it on, where you can watch various anime things on a computer. And then suddenly I was like, I wonder if they have an app. I could just picture Jeff telling me they have an app. So I do. scrolled through on Xbox 360, they have an app. It's got annoying commercials. And boy, is that annoying. If you're watching something and you like want to, you know, skip ahead. Um. Yeah. It. Oh, it'll. Yeah. And and it's funny too because you don't get like four or five commercials. You get 
two commercials six times. Yes. That's their commercial <laughs> oh. Those are the ones I Hold, absolutely oh, You get what you paid for. Oh, if you my. Yes. Buy some time. Do you ever. <laughs> some of those streaming services drive me crazy, too, because like they'll have a set number of commercial breaks throughout the program you're watching, and invariably it's like the same ad, but if that company has purchased like say a 60 second ad spot mm-hmm. versus like a 30 it's the same commercial yeah. back to back yeah 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 so you'll yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to watch <sighs> yeah. the same commercial twice <laughs> in a row dude dude yep. you can't even pause you sit there trying to nope. press the d pad to call up the control bar to do something you don't even get that you get nothing nothing it sits there and it rolls i wow. end up listening to music on youtube a lot and some of those commercials you can turn off in five seconds, and some of them you just got to yeah, ride no, some, on Yeah, they, they have another tier where yeah. they're must watch. And then, of course, the delightful thing on YouTube is the mid-show where it just suddenly yep. and starts playing a commercial. But Bleach, it's a cool anime. There are these things called hollows, which are like malign spirits. These okay. are like almost like ghosts. And there are um, kind of soul... Uh, they're like spirit people called soul reapers whose jobs are to actually kill the hollows or at least disembody them to send them to the afterlife. And the soul society is a form of afterlife. And this one teenager... Of course. Of course, actually rescues this one soul reaper who's in trouble. And in that doing so, he gets a little bit of the Soul Reaper ability. And it's funny, too, because the translation for what he is is substitute Soul Reaper. Ah. So he's a substitute Soul Reaper, but he's unusually powerful. So you're watching it with subtitles as opposed to... uh... Oh, dude, I hate dub. I fucking loathe dub. All affection to Laura Bailey and all those other great voice actors that I watch doing D&D live casts. Mm -hmm. I hate dub. So I'll watch subs, and that's Crunchyroll versus. Uh, oh fuck, I forgot what the other. The other one that is a new Amazon one. Uh, yeah, there's another um, anime channel that is actually, I think, Funimation. Oh, it's okay. I think it's Funimation. Makes sense. Maybe Funimation.com. They acquired Crunchyroll, I believe, and now Crunchyroll is almost the dub network. And then Funimation, I'm sorry, Crunchyroll is the sub, oh, okay, okay. and Funimation is the dub. It's almost like that. It's So I got the one that's the one I want. Do they have the same shows on both, or they have different shows? Uh, a lot of the same. Okay. A huge crossover. So, But yeah, so Bleach is this guy discovering his ability, lots of mystical uh, samurai sword combat type thing, which is a thing I really like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I watched Death Note. I started mm-hmm. Death Note, which has some interesting concepts and, you know, other stories. Eventually, I'll probably watch Knights of Sidonia, only because I've heard, like, from Paul, mm. that it basically borrows from so many different other anime that if you're not experienced in anime, it'll probably be a very interesting treat for you. Yeah, I, st- I didn't finish Sidonia. I did start it. Yeah. And, yeah, it has some fun concepts in it. Yeah. So, but I definitely recommend Bleach. It's cool. It's just that it's tough to find. And there are hundreds Motherfucking hundreds of episodes. Yeah, no, Bleach la- ran forever. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. huge. And on top of everything else, Matt's not here to talk about it. <laughs> there's hockey? Uh, no, there's <laughs> Funkos. Oh, what? of course. The, 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 ich, ich, uh, Ichigo, who is the, the male 
high school student and Rukia, who is the girl, the the female soul reaper he rescues, and therefore he becomes one. They have Funkos now. Like they, they oh yeah, they have the Funkos. They have Funko hey. pops. <clears throat> so, um, I I saw that and I just like oh god, it's another twenty bucks mm-hmm. down the drain. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. It's I oh yeah bleach is. I completely cool. misunderstood what you said. Did they? Explain? I oh. thought they were collecting Funkos in the show. I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> did they go back that far? Wow, that's that'd be impressive. That's dude, that's so meta. Yeah. <laughs> did they explain the name? What bleach? Yeah. Uh no, but I've read online Ichigo, the main character dude, is blonde. Oh. <laughs> okay. So you know, there, he, of course he, it is. He bleaches his hair, but there it's really funny because. In in the in the series, I'm now into season four. He they never talk about it. He never bleaches his hair. So as far as I know, maybe that's their American marketing uh, a title or something. It, it works. It's stuck but, in my head mm-hmm. for years. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I definitely recommend that. That is a it's a fun it's a great series. It has just the right balance of it gets a little screwball, how some anime does, mm-hmm. but then it's some real hardcore kicking ass sword play and everybody fighting and some creepy characters. There's some really weird, creepy characters hmm. in this uh, series. So. Nice. All right. Uh, I'm reading three books uh, at once. Wow. Right now. I... Do you just hold all three of them in front of you and just <laughs> read it's... all three simultaneously? I think he's got the shitter book. The go to sleep book and then the lunch break book or something mm. like that. It's three different formats is what I think is how I'm able to do it. One's audiobook, so that doesn't really count. Uh, the other two, one is an ebook form and one's an actual book. So okay, so that's how are I'm you listening to it while you're reading the, the <laughs> and then holding the book up with the other hand and as my girlfriend will tell you, there is absolutely no way that I can multitask that well. Okay, <laughs> absolutely not. So I'm I'm listening to. Uh, Chuck Palnick's Damned, which is a, if you want to hear how Chuck Palnick would create hell, mm-hmm. that, that's your book, with a very, uh, what's the, Breakfast Club vibe to it. Wow. Hell okay. with a breakfast. Yeah, the first they, thing about Breakfast Club? Oh, God. Don't talk about <laughs> Breakfast Club. Well, you mess with the devil, you get the horns. Uh, <laughs> God, I love when he makes that spot, that appearance in uh, <laughs> oh. not another teen movie. <laughs> hey, diddle, diddle, the cat, fiddle. <laughs> but it's it's Polnick being very Polnick about you know gross hell stuff, and the the every chapter is is in a first person thirteen year old girl that died from a marijuana overdose. Marijuana uh, yeah, overdose, yeah, exactly. Uh, name Madison, and every chapter begins, "Are you there, Satan? It's me, Madison." So that. No. That right there tells you kind of the tone of the book. Is that there's even Satan. possible? Hmm? Is that even possible? Is what possible? Overdosing in marijuana? Uh, no. Would you have to? It I, is, I, but I, I, you it's have like to smoke ex- inhalation. You would, you would have to ingest an excessive yeah, amount isn't, of... Isn't that more likely to happen if you do like the brownie thing and yeah. you eat yes, the whole the, pan of brownies as opposed to just sure. one? And, and it's I very, imagine, very, very unlikely to happen. I imagine your body would probably reject it before you actually probably die. Probably throw up if it's It brownies. has something to do with... Like, it can happen if you concentrate the, uh, the oils, I think. Oh yeah, I hear this new marijuana is not like the marijuana we used to smoke in the '60s. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm talking. I'm talking. It would take a a lot of processing in order for that to happen. So no, it's it's very, very, very rare. It actually isn't. I remember, you know, whenever I, 
Whenever I feel, smell secondhand, <laughs> what? Whenever I smell secondhand pot smoke, mm-hmm. it was actually kind of a sweet smell when I was a kid. Now it most of it smells like skunk. Dude, that's because it's a lot more potent. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's not like the stinky marijuana is the cheap thin stuff. Yeah. But the I'll uh, take your word for that. <laughs> the physical book I'm reading, I'm absolutely adoring. In fact, I bought a book light so I could. Because I can only read in one room of the house. Bedroom, lights off. I just have to have... You're such that. a rebel. Do you get under the covers and, like, you know, to <laughs> wait for your parents <laughs> to be like, turn out the light, go to bed, are you sleeping? If it wasn't so hot, then yes. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, but this is a book that uh, Elizabeth sent me called The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt. Uh, cowboy killer... Think of the cowboy movie that Shane Black would write. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's what this book is. Nice. Um, that's about that's a good logline. Two killer brothers. Uh, one gets all, has all the brains. The other one has all the heart. Aww. And it's, it's their vignettes going across the country to kill a guy for the person they work for. It's a very, mm-hmm. very basic story in that regard. But you get these characters immediately. Like the the first chapter and the first chapter is like three pages. You know who these guys are, and you just want to read more and more about them. Hmm. So yeah, I bought a book light so I could actually read this in the dark. Uh, but the third book, oh, because you don't normally read a lot of traditional books anymore, right? Because I do a lot of the reading in the in room, the in the dark, where the, the and the e-reader yeah. has the backlit, so, so gotcha. it makes it easy to read in there. Uh, but the third book, the one I am reading on the e-reader, the one I got from the library, is Clive Barker's The Scarlet Gospels. This is Clive Barker's last book that he wrote, and it has taken his two most famous characters, Pinhead and Harry Damore, which is the, if you saw the movie Lord of Illusions, uh, Scott Bakula, uh, although he's appeared in multiple stories in a few novels of Barker's. Hmm putting those two in the same book. Ah. Interesting. Yes. Com- not only combine the characters, this is the first time that Barker has written a book since The Hellbound Heart with Pinhead in it. Mm. So this is the official sequel mm. to the very first Hellraiser story. Wow. And it starts off strong and hard, just like a Clive Barker book should. Okay, I haven't read any Barker. So Pinhead is in multiple movies. There's like 15 Hellraiser movies, there are, all with Pinhead in it. I think there's maybe eight Hellraiser okay. movies at this But they point. all have Pinhead in it pretty uh, much. And 1.5 of them are good. Okay, but so, they all have Pinhead in it, and only one of the books has Pinhead. There's only one book. Oh, there's only one book? Until okay. the Scarlet Gospels okay. came around. Uh, I've, the Hellbound Heart is Hellraiser, okay. basically. Uh, and then... Clive Barker's friend wrote Hellraiser 2, which has its charms, but also has its problems. And then part three just goes completely off the rails and just gets worse and worse as time goes on. Uh, I, think, I think the fourth one is an Alan Smithy film, if oh, that tells wow. you anything. Wow, wow. Uh, Alan Smithy being the name that goes on the movie when the director has divorced himself completely from it. So Yeah, I saw Hellraiser. I didn't see the sequels. Was the deal that... Eventually, they start trying to make Pinhead something of a hero or something. Is that kind of where it that you know that kind of happens in the second one a little bit? There, there is some Pinhead redemption. He becomes like a protagonist almost, right? Certainly, but this book, uh, Scarlet Gospels, Not the book, right, right, right. But this book pretty much ignores the fact that Hellraiser is pretty much the only thing that's ever happened. 
Okay. That, so Pinhead right. is Pinhead. He's the leader of the Cenobites, and his power has only grown in hell over time. Uh. And Harry Damore, which is basically Constantine, as about probably the most uh, equatable character. Nice. So uh, Harry Damore has all these tattoos all over his body, and each one is a protection or a spell of some sort. Ah, okay. So... On a side note, though, Doug Bradley, one of the best interviews we ever did. This is true. That's true. The only time I ever got goosebumps uh, when somebody did a bump for the show when I was sitting behind the camera. He's, he, was, he was pretty terrific and generous with his time with us. Yeah. I really... Oh, yeah. What was Doug Bradley's connection to this? Uh-oh. Doug Bradley portrayed Pinhead. Oh, whoa, I was waiting for the lightning to come down. That was <laughs> As I said, no, I haven't he, seen it. So, so he did, he did an intro on the show. We we did a we did a bump with him, and he for goes, the Ugly Couch show. I'm Doug Bradley, and you're watching the Ugly Couch show, and you're gonna keep watching it. And then he dropped into the Hellraiser voice, and he says, "Or I'll tear your soul apart." Nice. And I'm sitting behind the camera. I literally got goosebumps, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, and I was just like. Wow, that was awesome. Fellow nerds, between interviewing him and Robert England, I, I pretty much, I've, I've had my dream fulfilled. I'm done now yeah. on this earth. Everything else is just joyous gravy. So Nice. But yeah, if you're a fan of Hellraiser, uh, move forward to this book. It's great. Uh, Lord of Illusions, the movie I think is just okay, uh, based on a story from the Books of Blood, which is a, a more superior story. But uh, if you want a really good introduction to Harry Damore, I recommend the uh, the art novels of Clive Barker, The Great and Secret Show, followed by Everville. The Great and Secret Show is amazing, super creative novel. The movie for Lord of Illusions was doomed from the beginning, just partly because of the time in which it was shot. And yeah, they were this. It's it. They tried to do too much with CG number one, mm. and they tried to cover up the uh, poor screenwriting. So it was like it's that really awkward early 90s where the CG does not look quite right because it's still not quite sharp enough to be to look realistic mm-hmm. so it looks very fake but at the same time they used it so much throughout the movie mm-hmm. that it really takes you out of the movie and it is f- and oh go ahead yeah no I was just saying and it's just the the translation to the screen was was poorly done. So okay. there's that too. I, I will curse Lord of Illusions a little bit in reading this novel because the image of Harry Damore that I have in my head is not Scott Bakula. But occasionally Scott Bakula forces his way in nice. when I'm reading it. <laughs> nice. So so that performance stuck a little bit, I guess. Oh boy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, those are the three books I'm reading, and I'm enjoying all three, so it's wonderful. The book club uh, they have. We've already thrown up a whole bunch of suggestions for March's book. So tomorrow, while I'm editing the show, I'll probably put the poll up to select the book for March. So be ready for that, book readers. There's uh, really good suggestions on there. So happy me. So I guess I'll be reading four books. Is guess I'm what I'm saying. Right wow. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just crazy. That well, way. one for that, each you're talking other. about putting the poll up tomorrow. So that's gonna be a day or two before they come up with a decision. Sure. I'll, I'll probably you'll, have, you'll have those Brothers three books done. right by then. Yeah. I have at least Sisters Brothers. You'll be working on three then. more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I already got another one from the library. It's it's never ending. God, I love the <laughs> library ending. ebook system. Wow, mm-hmm. so it's like book shopping every day for free. Nice. Anything else, gentlemen? Yeah, I want to uh, suggest a podcast episode, "The Thinking Atheist." Oh, I love that show. 
They did an episode on trigger warnings and safe spaces, which actually does some nice explanation and talks a bit about the whole controversy and uh, hoopla surrounding calls for trigger warnings and safe spaces. All right. And it's actually very interesting. They, the guy interviews activists as well as psychologists, psychiatrists, and um, as well as one uh, one explainer. His, oh, God, I forgot his name. Eli something or other. Shit. Eli. He, he's, I, a, he's, he's a comedian. Who uh, actually goes out on circuit and does explaining stuff, and he actually uh, talks a lot about trigger I warnings. I think he might have been at the thing I was at. Ah, uh, the thing there, there you were the, at. The, the, the skeptics who mentioned Skepticsing? Yeah. Probably, because, yeah. of course, they And there, there was a comedy show with a bunch of skeptic comedians. That, okay, that has to be. He yeah. has to have been. Uh, God that, damn it, what was uh, this? Another fine podcast, uh, uh, Cognitive Dissonance. A mm-hmm. fantastic podcast. Eli makes quite a few appearances and that's, on that one as Is well. that the same? They're connected to the uh, god-awful movies, I think. Yes, yes, yeah. they are. They, right. they, they yeah, Eli mentions that. god-awful movies. Yeah. I think he's... There's a little, there's a little atheist ring right, right there. I think no. he's actually in god-awful he movies. Could be, he could yeah. That's the one where they watch the movies, and then in a panel, they'll live cast, talk about the movie, how awful it was, and yep. take it apart. And so all God you, movies. Yep. Yeah, horrible, yeah. horrible God movies. Yes, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the one that I listened to was, what the name of the movie was, but it was terrible. It was like a rape apology movie. It was like a... <laughs> he actually mentions that. It's... Uh, Is it Eli Bosnick? I think that sounds it, right. It's Bosnick. That sounds right. And the movie, I believe, was it... Oh, shit. Who was in it? Who was in it? Sean Baldwin. And it's about involved. a rapist That's rapes good. a woman. She gets pregnant and decides to do the right thing, and she actually marries and falls in love with her rapist to raise the child. While, while the rapist is in prison. Yeah, this is really terrifying. Oh, it's right awful. Now. Yeah, and wow. and it's funny because when you the look, right when you hear the story, you you could. You could actually sit. I mean, you know, if like Tarantino or somebody wrote this, you'd be like, "Holy shit! Yeah, what a fucking movie." But when you real, when you hear that it's it's actually a uh, a, a Christian God movie, you're just like, "Oh boy!" And and apparently, <laughs> it is indeed God awful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he brought that up and talked about it. I want to throw a shout out to Colonel John. Oh, yes. he's great. And his wife. Uh, Sorry, I missed that. Margie. Yeah. We had a wonderful uh, lunch slash dinner, depending mm-hmm. on what time you got up today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got up late. And uh, and we just had a wonderful time together. Just uh, he said, This is the gentleman that made all the uh, paper ships that you know we put on the Christmas yeah, tree. Papercraft stuff. Oh, my. He's so good at mm-hmm. it. And uh, he gave us these little. Airplane lapels, Kirsten. So go ahead and uh, choose what you would like. We'll save the other for Paul and Matt. But choose wisely. Indeed. Choose wisely. Uh, we ate at uh, Guy Fieri's. Yep. Barbecue. And yeah, uh, heart attack on a plate, but boys are oh, good. Yeah. I can't remember if I mentioned while we're sitting there, but that's one of the places we busk is right outside that window. Yeah. <laughs> where I was sitting, I was looking right at where I sit when I busk. Now I know where to find yeah, you. Yeah, that's one of the no, places. No, you didn't mention it several times while did we I, were I did? Okay. okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's like right there. No, literally right, right, right out there. there. Right that that particular yep, that corner. Spot. That's where I do. Yeah. So John, Margie, thank you so much. I really enjoyed spending time with you. Yeah, today. it was really, really nice. Uh, who and wants the chocolate th- cake was yummy. It was a Jack Daniels chocolate. Is that cake? what that was? Yes, God, that was good. 
Jack Daniels. Not overpowering, just sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any left for K? Yeah. Ooh, there I'll might give him be some. some left for K. Mm-hmm. Ha ha. I did forget to put really? some of yeah. the uh, the Anglais <clears throat> the Anglais in there. Excuse me. <laughs> Let's get into some. I, news. I don't know if I want cake with. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Oh, it's French. <laughs> so it's good. Oh, okay. Gentlemen, news you don't give a shit about. Uh-huh. It's only one thing. And uh, I just, what, last week we talked about the uh, apes director that was going to take over yes. the Batman movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not happening now. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Last month, Affleck backed out of directed the Batman. Yeah. Uh, the first solo outing as the character. Uh, it was a positive turn when you know we reported as well that the War of the Planet of the Apes director Matt Reeves would be taking over duties. Now, amid rumors that Affleck himself just plain doesn't want to be the Batman anymore, Reeves is apparently backing away from the film. Oh, uh, hmm. Right. Accor- according to The Hollywood Reporter, negotiations between Reeves and Warners have broken down. Reeves has walked away from the table. It's unclear at this point what caused the rift, but The Hollywood Reporter does note it uh, doesn't mean Reeves is altogether out and uh, could uh, talks could resume uh, when everything calms down. Uh, Reeves might be, of course, distracted. He's working on to finalize the Apes flick. Uh, Warner Brothers might not make time for him to finish. The studio is reportedly hell-bent on making the Batman no matter what, uh, so keep the character's box office potential rolling. Uh, now, of course, remember, we thought we were just going to get a Man of Steel sequel, mm. and then Snyder threw Batman into the mix. Now Superman died at the end of Dawn of Justice, and Batman stuck around to be the star of Justice League. Uh, mm. Again, none of this means Reeves is out for good, but Warners was reporting eyeing Ridley Scott and Fede Alvarez for the film as well. So, mm. to be continued. Uh, it's yeah. sad if Affleck, I mean, he's obviously doing the next Justice League movie. Mm, yeah, is he? For sure. Well, they're filming. Dude. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he is, yeah. but it it'd be really sad if he did step well, out. Because sad is what they said in the stories I read with Affleck. Is it's like Affleck is sad about the uh, <laughs> the uh, response he got from the movies, and that's overplayed. Because yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of people may had a lot of fun with that, but um, I mean, uh. Like Kevin Smith has been talking about it, he doesn't have any inside information. But his his feeling was that like maybe Affleck is feeling the pressure. I'm of, sure he of, is of trying to trying to, especially because he's Affleck, right? He's Mister Argo now, so now there's even more pressure sure. to live up to the Nolan legacy on Batman. And while he's was willing to write and be Batman, that's why he stepped out of the directing. But the whole not even willing to be Batman now is that's still in rumor category. I hope it is because yeah. it was it was great. I loved him. Now, assuming he does yeah. drop out, who who replaced him? Who would you think would hop into that role? Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> it's That'd not like true. that. It's not like that character wasn't recast four times. Right. No, I'm just, I'm just saying who who do you think yeah, would be I, the, I the don't likely know. Yeah. I, know I mean to, to continue the that particular universe, I don't know who you would cast to continue um yeah. the Justice League stuff. So And I, knowing it, them they'd probably want to cast a a well known actor. Right. Yeah. I say you go you just you just dump the whole dark Nolan business and you go the super friends route and you cast Chris Pratt. <laughs> no. Why not? Mm-hmm. He's playing everything else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, really. Oh, no new actor. Go with Hugh Jackman. 
Yeah. He's, he's retiring Why from Wolverine. Not? Sure. Sure. Do the, the because because he's he's looking for a new superhero property. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I love when. All Chris right. Pratt... Let Nick Cage finally do it. Yes. Oh. Okay. I'm done. finally Let's do, do it. No, that was Superman. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. I do love when Chris Pratt even makes fun of the fact that he gets cast in everything these yeah. days. <laughs> it cracks me up. I saw the a meme. You want to have? I saw a meme that pointed out that uh, he's got uh, three uh, Lego minifigs already. Oh jeez. I I got it. Next Batman. Let's think outside the box. David Cross. There you there. go. That's really? Gonna, yes, that's your next <sighs> Batman. Steve Buscemi. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm I'm down. Yeah. I, ignore my pick. I want yours. Oh man. Guys, we're we're totally living in the wrong town. Yeah. <laughs> Peter David. No, not Peter David. <laughs> the, the writer? I was going to say the author? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, sure, why at least not? he has an inside track on uh, comics. <laughs> right. At least you know the. All right, Peter David. <laughs> Let's go with it. <laughs> Andy Way himself to to gives guns. up trying to understand what the hell he was going to say. <laughs> the man who wrote How to Write Comics. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> Hulk writer Peter David. <laughs> A weekend geek. That's the only really funky one I had. All right. Let's get some real stuff in here. Okay. Last fall, after mm. director John Favreau's The Jungle Book wowed critics and audiences with its CGI characters and storytelling, Walt Disney Pictures announced that Favreau would push that technology even further with a realistic CGI version of one of Disney's arguably greatest films, The Lion King. Project's very early stages, Jeff Nathanson, this, this one makes you worry, Indiana, who wrote Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, is working on the script, and the studio hasn't even dropped a release date. Uh, Favreau's begin casting the, the film. Favreau announced via Twitter Friday that Donald Glover, fresh off his Golden Globe win for his TV series Atlanta, and already part of the Disney family due to his upcoming role in the Han Solo film, will voice Simba. To play Simba's father, Mufasa, Favreau has enlisted James Earl Jones, who will once again play that role since the uh, 1994 animated classic. You kind of got to have him. If he's still alive, he still has to do that part. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the voice. Yeah. Clear. The voice. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about Disney's trend of remaking their own stuff just as live action. Live action over the cartoons. I can hardly wait till they do Robin Hood. My opinion is still kind of out there because I still haven't seen Jungle Book, but I hear mm -hmm. great things about Jungle yeah. Book. And it's on Netflix. So, yeah, that's... Well, because, I, I mean, they've done that. The Beauty and the Beast, Pete's Dragon. Um, shoot, there's another I've one. I've forgotten they did here. Pete's Dragon already. Wow. That's well, because it didn't do well at the box office. It kind of came and went quickly. It did. Did, uh, did the original Pete's Dragon have musical numbers? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Did this one, the new one... I don't know. I never saw it. Okay. The original Pete's Dragon had Carol King numbers, I think, being sung by Hall and Ready. I saw it in the movie theater, but when it originally came out. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't remember it at all. Disney Candle Summer. on the Water is the big song out of that. that sure. Did not stick with it. Was, it was the one that was on, got airplay. Oh, my. That's all funny. the airplay. When I was a kid, my grandmother actually made a stuffed Pete's Dragon for me. Like, it was, it was about, like, Two feet long. Oh, and she did, did all the hand stitching wow. and hand stuffing and everything. It was really a nice piece. I probably still have it in a closet somewhere at my parents' house, but uh, but uh, it was really really good. And that sucker was just it. 
You know, I wasn't one of those kids that cuddled with the stuffed animals, but I would sit that thing on my shelf and just look at it and go, it's like right out of the movie. <laughs> it was just so, so cool. So that is very cool. So none of that tactile stuff for you, you were already putting on the shelf and making sure it was still a collector's item. <laughs> Meant out yes. of box. <laughs> Ow. So, 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 but uh, Pete's Dragon was a kind of a failure, right? I, I don't. I won't go so far as to call it a, a failure, but it didn't do as well domestically. Underperformed. I don't remember even coming. I don't even remember it being in the theaters. It had to have been. It but came was, and went. Yeah, it was pretty quiet. Yeah. It came and went. I, I, the only thing I remember about it is that Bryce Dallas Howard is in it because she was doing the press tours, mm. and it was like right <laughs> after she did the press tours for. Um, uh, Jurassic World, so it was like back to back. It was like, wow, she's, you're already promoting another movie. Let's right. face it, who rem- aside from us, who remembers Pete's Dragon? You know, that's a it's Mickey, true. That's, Mickey Rooney was in it, I think. Sure, sure. It's, Charlie it's, uh, Callis, not yeah. one of the Charlie big... Callis was in it. You're right. He's the voice. One of the you know, it's not one of the big Disney films. No, you know, no. but the ones that were big Disney films, they're going to be just fine mm-hmm. with this stuff. I mean, Jungle Book, Beauty and the Beast is going to knock it out of the park, no doubt about it. Financially, anyway. So, and this will as well. So, mm. I think as long as they're remaking their big pictures. Peter Pan. They, they, yep. They've kind of <laughs> done that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> a few that times. Was, that over. was the joke. Ah. That was the whole point. You see, Mon. Thank you for getting. I, I f- they, Fantasia. What was that name of that last Peter Pan one that, that tanked? Peter Pan. Was that just called Peter Pan? I have no idea. No. Yeah, that, I remember it. Coming, it's like, oh, that's coming, and then it never. Yeah, it, it came in as well. Before we get too far from dragons, oh, Figment from uh, from the the Journey into Imagination. Yeah, did that like just like come and go real quick, or is that still something? Because I haven't seen any Figment merchandise in a long time. Epcot Center, I loved it. Still has Journey into Imagination. Okay, but they completely revamped the ride uh, from its initial creation. I, I love, I'm, I'm a dark ride nut. Dark mm-hmm. rides are my favorite rides over anything else. But Journey to Imagination was kind of like really that really special dark ride. The new one is just really uninteresting. And it, 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 it features more figment, but at the same time, figment was like the sidekick to, I can't remember the guy's name, the professor or whatever he's called. But, I don't know, man. They, they, I don't know why they changed the ride, but all I know is there's like no line to it when I went to it. Like everything else had a, people wanted to ride everything else, but not that. But so, so like there are there still figment dolls and figment pins. And they stuff still, and they still had that, but uh, yeah, it's you're right. It kind of disappeared. Yeah. So I don't know if it's because the new ride sucks or just that. They thought they had to revamp it because Figment was starting to go away as something interesting to people. Mm. But you're right. Figment kind of just... Yeah, I like Figment. But the thing with Figment, it was a Disney character that really wasn't based in any kind of movie or... or They might have done some animated series involving him later on. But his origin is that ride. Sure. He's the Captain EO. You know, it's... it's, Captain EO of uh, the... uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, Disney keeps redoing rides with other things anyway, too. Like Hollywood Tower of Terror is closed down now. Sure, it's, it's uh, reopening this summer as, as the, a, uh, yeah, the Guardians, the, of, the Guardians Galaxy. of the Galaxy escape something. Sure. In fact, I was looking at a, a video of the the tower designs today. Just go. It looks neat. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am sad to see Tower of Terror go right. away. It's Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone's a fantastic property. But... 
I, I, if you're gonna throw it over for anything, yeah. I am fine to throw it over for a Marvel property, sure, especially one as fun as Guardians of the Galaxy. And what they seem to be doing with it is changing the feel of the ride for every time, so that the soundtrack changes each time, the dialogue changes each time. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in Disneyland, especially, is lacking somewhat because of its design. The one, the original one that's in, in Orlando, Orlando has a longer ride to it because your car has to go from one building to another. Yeah, and so it has this this really weird thing to, to explain the ride. You're getting onto a haunted elevator of this hotel that. Four guests were disappeared when the place was struck by lightning, and no one knows what happened to them. They went into the twilight zone, and and it, this is the ride where you find out what happened to the guest, and be careful because it might happen to you. And of course, that's what happens. So the the ride takes you and shows you to this hallway, and it shows that moment of this really weird video that hasn't aged well of these characters getting disappeared by lightning when the place disappears and then the rooms all disappear and then there's stars and then the thing starts throwing you up and down for a while. What the one in Orlando does is between that scene with the elevator and the disappearing of the people and the part where they start throwing you up and down is it takes you like a through a trip through the twilight zone saying you have now entered the twilight zone the the doors open and the cart moves forward and you're kind of taken through a physical representation of the opening credits of the twilight zone the the eye and the doorway and all that stuff and it's it's really kind of a weird ambient esoteric ride and then they throw you up and down so hmm. it's as much as I love it and will always ch- treasure that ride, I'm, I'm fine with it changing. It's interesting. It sounds interesting. I could never do that up and down business. Uh, loss of control, uh, spatially like that, like roller coasters and stuff, is just something I can barely, I cannot handle. Wow. I just can't do it. The coasters so. even. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I can't do coasters because it's just it's just too much for me. It's like I'm not in control of this, and this is killing me. So it did really you, does uh, it really does get really crazy for me. Did I, you not do the ride then at Trek after the initial you know testing and stuff? You know, or? it's funny because that's very lack of control. True, but I it, it, my experience with the ride at Trek is really funny because my first experience on it is just getting on the empty shell with just seats, right? While it moves, and you hear this, all you hear is the hiss <laughs> of the hydraulics. Of the, of the hydraulics. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it does lose so, a little something in there. So by the time we get to the motion, and it was really funny for a while, I was good, but after a few years, I couldn't take the motion ride because it was aging, and the motion profile in the in the motion was just falling enough out of sync with the the film that my yeah. uh, my brain could not handle it, and I would end up having to close my eyes. I was worthless when I was like opening lead and I had to open <laughs> the ride and do the test ride. Sure. Because I sat there for the five minutes with my eyes closed while the thing is jerking me around because I could, if wow. I watched it, I got physically, I was, hmm. and it was funny because I wouldn't puke or anything, but I was shitty for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. The rest of the day. It was so weird. Wow. I'm okay with roller coasters and that kind of thing. The spinning rides that kill me. Yeah, and right. I don't care for the ones where you, but they just, 
plummet, oh, make yeah. you plummet for no reason. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Ones that shoot you up in there and drop you back down. Yeah, like the like on the stratosphere. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny because I knew somebody who worked at the the Tower of Terror, and he told me a story of they had to pry one guy's hands. Wow. Off of if do they have a seat bar or do they have a, a little handle you can hold on to? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. his he was locked. Just like those stories of people who like hang out of an airplane, you know, and and and, yeah. and the plane lands and his fingers were locked. They had to pry his fingers off because it it just it totally got him. So, well, I will say that ride was not as scary as I thought it would be. Yeah, but you're yeah. an old hand at that. This is true. This so. is true. I, that's I, so you know it's not a real, coaster out there. I really, really don't funny because yeah, people will ride one thing and just shit themselves, and then you get somebody who does it for a you know. I mean, I love Paul's stories. Like, there's that one coaster wherever the fuck it is in the country where you go back and forth. It you know you run through the coaster. It ends. I assume and then Cedar Point since it that's goes backwards. And Kings Island, I think yeah, probably had that. Yeah, oh, okay. And, I think and that was the demon once upon a time. He he like he compelled his friend. Oh, we got it. We got to ride it again. And, and his friend finally just blew out, blew it. Blur. Okay, threw up. Yep. Okay. In mid ride one time because it was <laughs> just like you. I can't do this as many times. And Paul's like, Yeah, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Paul. And it's really funny because in many ways, Paul's a big time control freak. Right. You mm. talk to him about drugs and alcohol and stuff, and he really doesn't partake because that's you know for him. But boy, oh boy, he fucking loves the coasters. Mm-hmm. He worships them. Although, I, Andy, I get what you're saying about the spin mm-hmm. thing. There, there's once upon a time I loved to spin. Yep. And then I, I don't know. I went to a local town fair, mm-hmm. and they had this thing called the Orbiter. It was basically the Scrambler, but it went up on its side. Mm-hmm. And I walked off that thing sick as a dog. Yep. Huh. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of that is just interaction between the inner ear, mm-hmm. visual spacing, and how your brain is processing it. And for it. If there's anything off in your genetics where yeah. there's just a slight bit of wire cross, anything that's not precise, yeah. it'll fuck you I up. Think I, I walked off that ride to a trash can, puked, mm-hmm. and I was so confused. Yep. <laughs> and the next day, I'm like, I need to know. So I went back on the ride and did the exact same thing. Yep. Wow. And that's why I'm like, I can't do these anymore. I, that's- I think for me, it's a combination of aging and the summer I worked as a ride operator. And then oh. having to hose out the rides. <laughs> yeah, sure. That. Yeah. <laughs> that would do it to anybody. Those, My God. The spinny rides are definite puke yeah, monsters. Yeah, I was a kid, and I did like the Tilt-A-Whirls, yeah. you know, in those cheap cars. I think cars. I right. still do the tilt a whirls We had a ride at the theme park I worked at, which was Riverside Park, which is now Six Flags Over New England. Okay. Uh, it's The ride is gone now, because I looked last time I was there. Uh, it basically looked like a layer cake. It was just like this, this giant huge layer cake thing and you would walk up this giant spiral to the top and it was one of those spinny rides where it pins you against the wall and the, the floor gra- like drops the out yeah. yeah that was an amazing it was just the the fact that it was this giant ride that really just was for a little tiny little ride on the top i would love to try that i have no idea if i could handle it physically mm-hmm. <clears throat> but i would love to try that because i like the concept yeah. of just you know up against the wall and you can yep. They have one of those at World Centri- of Fun. Centrifuge. Thing. We had, we had people City. that would could sit up on it. And it's like, no, you're not supposed to sit up on that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, the thing, think about the Gravitron, which keeps you from feeling ill. You'll feel pressure, and that can get to some mm-hmm. people, is that 
you're kind of locked in a room looking at everybody. You don't see things spin. Yeah. You just you feel the movement. Feel it. Yeah. And you feel the pressure, and that is it. And yeah, you're basically just staring at the person right across from you because mm-hmm. you, if you try to turn your head, you can plaster <laughs> your head against the side. Then you feel real dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> Man, talk about being part of the the you, counting on your your fellow riders too. I mean, if you're in one of those spinny rides, <laughs> oh. especially like the graviton oh. thing you're talking about, and somebody pukes, oh. everybody's getting it. <laughs> what? I, I don't know which friend of mine had that happen where somebody puked on the gravitron. <laughs> and he just described it as like it was slowly inching over to oh him. God. <laughs> and all he could do is just <laughs> look at it and Watch scream. It. <laughs> it slowly and making its funny. way to him. Well, you're oh. not supposed to get sick on those because you're, the, the fluid in your inner ear is not moving. Sure, but it like you said, if and, yeah. you move your head to the side, yeah. you get it. Instant yep. vertigo. Yeah. Plus, if you just have something off, if, if yeah. you have a minor imperfection, some old damage, anything like that, that that uh, will fuck you up. Uh, Part of the grossness, by the way, of the Santa Clarita diet, amazing vomit scene in the first oh. episode. That's just, I was wondering what bothered you so much you couldn't eat. Um, no, what got me with that was... Uh, um, uh, no spoilers. Yeah, him... It, just zombie stuff torn okay. apart <laughs> the zombie stuff i guess yeah i've seen some people gross being zombie bitten stuff in that kind of stuff yeah hell if you watch the walking dead there's gross zombie stuff around there all the time but yeah. usually i'm just really damned impressed but, but walking, by the walking dead i the detail you know, walking dead i know enough not to eat this one i'm just like oh white comedy oh my god yeah that went oh yeah that's great yeah Ooh. oh that went south so fast yeah, well, is, is there i think like half hour episodes seem, they seem half hour episodes i mean so watch the first episode and you go okay You'll know if you're not. I think I want to make a sub podcast of just amusement park talk. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> they they never really last. What Welcome you, to amusement park talk. Uh, what movie should I watch while I eat this chocolate mousse? <laughs> Human centipede. <laughs> <Whee>! <laughs> oh, <ugh. laughs> uh, let's see. We could geek. The first member of is it Adelan for the Inhumans? Where they come from? Attilan. Attilan. Okay. Hmm, I. I would have gone with Adelan because that's the way I've always pronounced it. But do you know if you heard it on a show or anything? Or uh, yeah, I think I've heard it somewhere. Okay. So Attilan, yeah, that's where I'm going wrong. with. Could be wrong. Mm-hmm. First member of Attilan's royal family has been cast for the upcoming ABC series based on Marvel's and Humans comics. That member is Maximus, and he'll be playing. This is why I'm bringing it up because I really love this actor, uh, Ewan Rowan. Last seen as Ramsey Bolton in Game of Thrones. Oh, that's okay. pretty good. That's and, pretty uh, good. Before that, he was. Uh, oh shoot! What's the name of that BBC Misfits? Um, really good BBC All right. superhero show. But he was in that. That's the first thing I ever saw him in. Okay. Oh, okay. So described as clever and charming, Maximus is said to be fiercely devoted to his people, his family, and his brother Black Bolt, who is king of the hidden and human city of. Adeline. I, th- I, I always say Attilin. Okay. I'm already forgetting. I don't know. Is Maximus the guy with the headband who does, what does he do? Mm-mm. Uh, you're thinking Rambo. <laughs> hey! That's Carl. Uh, what's going on over here? But Maximus Karnak? also harbors a secret desire to wear the crown himself. Yeah. Mm. Maximus has attempted many times in the comics to usurp the throne by means of creating destructive energy beings called the Tricon to drive the royal family out of Adeline. Attilan, 
and even manipulating the Hulk to help him get one nefarious scheme. Uh, mentally unstable himself, his powers include the ability to induce amnesia in people, control their minds, and swap his consciousness with that of another person. Wow. And now we just have to see who fills the rest of the Italian royal family in the roles of Black Bolt, Medusa, Karnak, Gorgon, Triton, and Crystal. First two episodes of Inhumans will debut on IMAX theater screens over Labor Day weekend before the show moves to ABC for the six episodes of its limited run. This Labor Day? I believe so. Wow. It's a moving. All right. Yeah, we got a bunch of movies coming up soon. I mean, the, Logan. the Logan's coming up, right? Right. Yeah. Logan's coming up pretty soon. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is coming up pretty oh, quick. Oh, yes. Um, shoot, I had <laughs> third. I just told oh, me. Zuntite, my friend. Wow. Zuntite and then <laughs> What kind of sneeze is that? I, uh, it's, well, a sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like lock jaws in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Made the room shake. I wish it would be. Yeah, we should put together a list next week. Just all the shit that's going to come out this summer. It's going to be a friggin' laundry list of nerdness. Isn't it always though? Isn't it every it now like every, it every every now summer, every yeah. summer it is a nerd fest. So yeah. it's a great thing. Yeah, I'm really liking this. We have inherited the earth. I'm I'm actually kind of excited for mm-hmm. Logan. I am. It looks great. I am too. Yep. And I didn't even watch the last X Men movie, but this one. Hmm. You don't need to. <laughs> okay. See, I'm making I mean, you I'm making great it. decisions. That was fine, but wasn't, you know, right, right home about. One of Weird Al's lost parodies was aimed at the video game culture in a tune he wrote and recorded on a cassette deck in the early 80s called Pac-Man, set, okay. set to the Beatles' Tax-Man. It was only heard for a couple of weeks on the famous Dr. Demento radio show in 1981, then silenced by a cease and desist letter from the Beatles' legal team. <laughs> now, through an agreement with the George Harrison estate, the long-lost Pac-Man track has got an official release, will be included on Yankovic's career-encapsulating box set, Squeezebox, the complete recordings of Weird Al Yankovic. Mm. Uh, for, the fu- for the fall launch, this ultimate Weird Al set is packaged in a replica of his trusty accordion with 15 vinyl discs, including a... Me- Medium Rarities record, which contains rare non-album tracks throughout his 35-year career. It also has CDs, not just the Yeah, vinyl. I was going to say, yeah, you can get the vinyl or the CD yeah. pack. It's I hope that Medium crazy. Rarities is available in some other form because I already have all the other stuff. See, that's what kills me because this is twice now that they've done that. Like um, when they uh, they did, a, I think it was called The Complete Owl. Sounds I have right. That. It was the, um, you know, the compilation yeah, of some of his greatest hits. Four CDs. They were... Yeah, there were two new songs that were only available on there, mm-hmm. and I'm like sitting there going, "I was like, I already have all of the albums on here, mm-hmm. and I have to buy this to get these two new songs." So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Although the box set looks really good, it does. So cool. It really does look good. How much? It's like it's a hundred and something dollars. It's, they expected with a fifteen yeah, album 15 set. CDs. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's worth it if you consider Absolutely, the breakdown. If I had the money. Quoting Yankovic, I'd like to think that none of the Beatles ever actually heard the song back then, Yankovic told the Nerdist. It was some office clerk whose whole job is to litigate and prosecute people for copyright infringement. I should also point out that I was more worried about the Pac-Man people because we also had to get permission from Namco, but thankfully they had a good sense of humor about it, unquote. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So I'm, I'm using a chunk of that song as the opening and closing for this show. No. So you get to have a taste of it. So least. it's out there. So yeah, you can find it. It is okay. out there. Yeah. 
I found it, I think, on Blaster.com, which mm. is SciFiWire.com. It really says a lot about Al, too, because he is covered under the parody clause in mm-hmm. copyright, so he could go forward with any song that he records, you know, without, right. you know, and, and essentially ignore the cease and desist, etc. But he always tries to ex- uh, secure uh, permission from the various artists yep. before going forward. And uh, that's that's pretty classy. I mean, he's yeah. and he's done that throughout his career, you know, with a couple of exceptions where things got misconstrued, like the with the you know the feud with Coolio, and, yeah, sure. And that was that was a mis a misunderstanding that they finally got to sit down and talk about it, and yeah. you know, buried the hatchet. And but uh, there was another one more recently that it was uh, he secured permission from the artist, but. The record company at the la- at the eleventh hour uh, said, "No, oh, that, you can't that do was that." The James Blunt, yeah, uh, the James Blunt pitiful. that you're pitiful. Mm-hmm. And I guess Blunt listened to the, really liked that the parody, and said, "Yeah, this is awesome. You know, go right ahead." But literally at the eleventh hour, uh, the record company called him up, said, "We don't want you to do this." And like I said, he could have gone forward and published it on the album, but to his credit, he said, "Well." They they don't want it on there. I'm going to pull it. I think I'm, guessing, I'm guessing it's on this record. I think he it turned. Could be. I think he turned around something else who had to replace it that was pretty good. I can't remember what it was. He did. I think ended up pub- publishing it for free on his website. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you could download Pitiful, but it was only available yeah. as the free download. Um, and I did the the whole track is out there. This Pac Man song is really good. Classic Al. It is nice. really well put together, and it is true tax man fashion. It's good. Real good. Nice. Segregated members of the Saudi community came together this past weekend to share their passion for comics, movies, video games, and other pop culture. For the first time ever, Saudi Arabia enjoyed its very own Comic-Con. Really? In Saudi society, men and women are typically separated in public spaces, but not this weekend. Comic-Con gave them a chance to mingle with others who share their love of fandom, even when they don't share the same gender. What's perhaps the more remarkable is the event was sponsored by the same government, which enforces that gender segregation. The government is hoping to bring more entertainment to the country, where, as CNN reports, public cinemas and theaters are outlawed. Even with the societal implications, however, the convention was much like any you might find in America. Fans flocked to the city of Jeddah on Saudi Arabia's coastline, decked out in homemade costumes celebrating their favorite characters. They gathered around booths uh, to see artwork and merchandise and geeked out with other fans. Now, despite the intermingling, some strict regulations were still in effect at the event. Special areas were set up so female fans could show off their costumes to other women. They still aren't allowed to remove their traditional garb in public. And attendees weren't allowed to cross-dress or display insignia or iconography that goes against the teachings of Islam. Uh, Some Saudis uh, viewed the event as, quote, devil worshiping, uh, though, and they did call for a boycott. Uh, The company that set up the Comic-Con says they saw it as an opportunity to capitalize on the popularity of conventions in other countries. They were hoping to use the event to highlight local talent. The Saudi government told CNN that the event was part of its Vision 2030 plan, which promises several cultural reforms in the country over the next 13 years. That's mighty cool. So, yeah, the first Saudi Comic-Con yeah. happened, and it was, a, for them, a fairly liberal oh, event. Oh, yeah. 
I guess it's a lot easier for Saudi Arabian uh, Supergirl to keep her secret identity. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that does just go to show, though, that geekdom, nerddom is really the thing that's going to save this world. Yep. That's, yeah. That Fuck is, love. That geekdom is, is the, the universal language. That is your, your oh. glimmer of hope, ladies and gentlemen. All you need keep is love hold of nerdy on to things. Yep. That's right. There you go. It's what, what unites us. What bonds until, us all. until Weird Al does All You Need is Geek. Oh. All you need is nerd. Oh, here comes the, here comes the <laughs> so, Sorry, sorry, Beatles. We didn't mean that. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we Fuck did. We did. Fuck sorry, sorry, half the remaining Beatles in Yoko. Yeah, right. Sorry, <laughs> both of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and Linda Harrison. Oh, right. forgot about oh, her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lovely yeah. Linda. A lot, lot of us do. Um, yeah. This is a press release going back to a topic we kind of touched a little bit. We touch topics. Show us on the doll where the topic touched you. Oh. Disney California Adventure Park will soon be the destination for adventure, intrigue, and triumph as recruits from around the world like you join forces with legendary superheroes in an ever-expanding universe of stories that will grow even bigger over time. This summer, we are kicking off the action with the May 27th grand opening of the thrilling, rocking attraction, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Hey, you talked about this before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You brought it up. Like a preview. Uh, this new adventure blasts you straight into Guardians of the Galaxy story for the first time ever, alongside characters from the blockbuster films and comics. As you help Rocket bust his pals out of the Collector's Fortress, you'll experience randomized ride experiences complete with all new visual and audio effects and music inspired by the popular film soundtracks. I can get behind that. You never know which adventure you will get. Uh, there will also be even more ways to step into superhero stories with the Summer of Heroes May 27th through September 10th. Answer the call for this limited-time celebration as you join the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy for all new epic experiences. Summer of Heroes will launch these new year-round experiences. Superhero encounters. For the first time, citizens of Earth will come face-to-face -face with Groot, one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. You will also step up to meet the first Avenger, Captain America, along with everyone's favorite web-slinger, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So these are the first Disney Marvel characters wandering the park. Wow. Nice. That's, he, no, okay, yeah, because that's Disney. They had them at Universal. Didn't they have walk-around characters at Universal? Uh, at Islands of Adventure uh, yeah, in Orlando. Did, yeah. I think they still do under license. I think they can, at, yeah. At mm -hmm. uh, Islands of Adventure, but... I guess, well, I'll let you know in about a month. Okay. Because I'll be no, at uh, right. Islands of Adventure cool. in, in uh I don't want a full rundown. April. Yep. I'm, li I'll, I'm living through you. Yeah. Ugly Cow Show location report. Mm -hmm. I'll call in. <laughs> this is your roving reporter, 80s Jeff, coming to you live from Orlando. The parking is great. <laughs> so I went to um, uh, an, uh, the grand opening of an escape room, escapology in town here this afternoon. Okay. And I talked to a guy, magician I know, who's uh, turned out he's a huge escape room fan. And he was saying that the next thing in escape rooms is going to be themed escape rooms. I mean, there are some themes. There are already some, no, no, but, but yeah, like but license. That, yeah. License. Okay. Oh, license. Well, I know there's nice. a Saw-based one. Okay. Yeah, that, but I think I don't think that's license. I think they think they're of, just getting away with it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like we pointed out that maybe that would be the thing that would make Marvel Station actually be a functioning attraction that if you put a Marvel-themed escape room at the end of it. That would help a lot. I, I mean, I don't know if you could do it at the end because you need... 
it's a timed experience. Right. You need that time, and you know, that's that's going to bottleneck things. Right. But to have that as, as a, an, option. an option, that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. And yeah, you could, you know, caught in Hydra's base, mm-hmm. and you got to find a way out. Yeah. Yep. Writes its goddamn self. It does. Another thing at Disney, uh, another heroic encounter, Black Widow. Black Widow will arrive on the scene several times throughout the day in an armored Avengers vehicle for her heroic encounter with park guests. That'd and be so, cool. So that's those are the additions. Mm. There are a few other you know additions. I'm mm-hmm. not bringing up like a dance contest thing they're doing. Well, oh, like the Star Star Trek Star Wars dance contest where ass- Darth Vader would dance. I assume it's very much like that. Yeah, okay. So I don't even want to really. It makes more sense, I guess, with Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy and the Star Wars. It does, but. Uh, Disney actually does really well with the like the roving characters in the park. They do. They um, got strict rules on those guys. Oh when, when I was in uh, Cars Land uh, a few years back, they had Tomater driving around. Really? And, inter- and it, it talks. Like, it interacts with the guests. And it was really freaking impressive because it looked like a live-action representation of the animated um, mm-hmm. tow truck. But it's sitting there talking to guests. Was it tow truck size or was it person? It was smaller. It, I mean, it was it was clearly Disney character sized car. So I mean, it was I'd say probably about half size, mm-hmm. maybe three quarters size. But you know, it was really actually very. Was neat. it pre recorded? Was there somebody no, going like to voice it, somewhere? So, it had to be somebody somewhere with some kind of a headset no. talking to him because it was responding to questions and. Uh, you know, talking with guests and, um, you know. You guys, you guys were here when they no had that, that thing at the uh, Treasure Island. When you're coming down the escalator, there was like an animated pirate that would harass the people on the escalator coming down the escalator. I, I remember there being two animated uh, skeletons that would talk to each other as you entered their arcade. Right. But I don't remember any other. No, there was, there was a big screen that's now just ads as you come down the screen. escalator. Yeah. Oh, no, no. And there'd be an animated pirate on there. And he'd be like, how you doing? You in the red dress. Get up, give me a goddamn smile, damn it. Yeah. Wow. That kind of stuff. It was like 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 somebody was up there doing a voice and reacting with the people. So something like that. Yeah. So it, something it, like that. It definitely had to be somebody somewhere interacting live because it was just it was too specific for, you know, the random kid that runs mm-hmm. up and he's like, Oh, it's too weird. Like that job. Yeah, it'd be a fun one. <laughs> Until the day you break. That's gonna be that's the day you want a new video. That's the that's the one that YouTube's gonna make happen. I seriously wonder on that sometimes because I remember going to Universal uh probably about ten years ago and they had um Donkey from Shrek and it's in this little um it looks like one of those old pull carts and the head pops up and the, it's you know, it's clearly like a puppet head, probably mm-hmm. animatronic, but there is somebody that's live interacting with them. And some of the things that like some of the adults were like saying to it and you're having to respond to, I'm sitting there going, I'm like, you got to have some real thick skin to do that job because not only do you have to keep your composure while you're responding to ridiculousness, you still have to stay in character and, Give the kind of responses that Donkey would give from that sure. movie. The so. space monkeys know, man. <clears throat> oh, yeah. yeah. Space monkeys know. Ridley Scott is targeting The Wailing, a 2016 Korean horror gem for an English-language remake by his Scott Free Productions, directed by South Korean filmmaker, oh, here we go, Na Hong Jin. I think I got that one right. Okay, not being a dick here. Mm-hmm. Spell Wailing. Spell, sorry? Wailing. 
W A I L I N G. Just wanted to check. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, well, no, yeah, I was, no, no I was on the other one. <laughs> Were you on the other one too? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, glad, I'm glad you, you stopped yeah. me. Uh, Na Hong Jin did The Yellow Sea as well and The Chaser. Don't know these films. Uh, this import revolves around a stranger who arrives in a remote mountain village in Goksung. Wow, and a whale shows up? <laughs> just, <laughs> just as a strange sickness has broken out. A police sergeant sucked into the shocking incident, enlists the help of a shaman and a mystery woman to halt the disease infectious, infectious spread and try to save his daughter. Apparently, it's an atmospheric detective tale with a lot of gore, religious omens, illogical plot points, and uh, buckets of uh, falling rain for some reason. And a cannibal harpooner. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, this next one I'm very, very happy about. Ex-Vertigo Comics editor Karen Berger. yes. Announced Friday, she's teaming up with Dark Horse Comics to create a new imprint, Burger Books. Oh, nice. Featuring creator-owned work, hand-picked and edited by Burger herself. The imprint is a new step for Dark Horse and for a certain subset of comic fans, represents a welcome return for one of the most influential editors of the last 40 years. That's very cool. If you get a chance to hear her speak at a convention, do it. Yeah? Yeah. I've never gotten to see her. Yeah. She's smart and savvy. Awesome. Berger joined DC Comics in 79, immediately gravitated to darker, stranger work like House of Mystery. By the mid-80s, she was serving as a kind of ambassador to D- for DC to up-and-coming UK talent and helped oversee the British invasion of comics through writers like Grant Morrison, Neil Gaiman, and Garth Ennis. Then came Vertigo. Formed in 1993, Vertigo Comics was DC's new home for more mature comics. And Berger was the founding force and dominant voice. After bringing over hit titles like Animal Man, Sandman, she greenlit and oversaw some of the most important comics of our lifetime, including Preacher, Why the Last Man, Fables, and The Invisibles. Vertigo didn't start till 93? Yeah. I was in, wow. I remember so in college. All, 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 of the, all of the uh, Hellblazer and Swamp mm-hmm. Thing and stuff was pre-Vertigo. Yes. Wow. I didn't, I didn't remember that. Uh, and but it, but then that got sucked into that. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when she moved on, it left a void in the comics world. Now Burger's back. She gets to spread more of her editorial magic to another publisher, and I couldn't be happier because when That's she left fantastic. Vertigo, I was like, I don't care about Vertigo yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I, I, this is probably too obscure, but do you know if she was involved with Piranha Press? I have no idea. Okay, yeah. Tell me about Piranha, what's Piranha Press. Oh, Piranha Press was an, uh, DC's very odd comic imprint in the late 80s but it was like it was experimental stuff huh. uh, one of my favorite books from that thing was a thing called beautiful stories for ugly children i remember yeah. that title. yeah it was it was basically short stories interspersed with really beautiful illustrations and uh yeah amazing stuff i got to actually see uh, an art show of uh, one of the books oh wow of all the illustrations from one book in one show and it was beautiful oh, terrific I was when I was a comic retailer. I went to a diamond, some sort of diamond thing retailer thing, um, and they had some of the pages. And one, I remember one of the pages was multiple pieces of paper, carefully glued together. So the there were different kinds of paper, slightly different colors, different textures, and then they drew on top of that. But they put the paper together so well that there was no seam. It wasn't like there was a bump as you were going from huh. line to line. It was. It was it was art was basically 
experimental fine art mixed with experimental short stories done as published in comic book form, but not really a comic book. And this isn't okay. Piranha Press? This this was Beautiful Stories for Good Children. Okay. But there were some other weird Piranha Press titles, too. I think Gregory was a Piranha Press title. I don't know that one. Gregory that was, might be right. I think I vaguely remember that. Gregory one. was a small, disturbed child, mostly in a straight jacket, who may or may or not been actually talking to a rat that was... Uh, it was that bizarre. Sounds, that sounds like it was uh, Mark. Is it Mark Harriman? Mark Harwell? Oh, that actually. Mark Hempel. Yeah. Mark Hempel. Yeah. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was. Piranha Press books did not look like traditional comics. It was really weird, artly, experimental stuff that I guess they didn't want into the DC thing. They were trying to make it something different. Hmm. But yeah. So that's like the extreme version of what Vertigo yeah. was. Extreme. Yeah. I mean, there there wasn't. Uh, it wasn't traditional superhero or sure. that kind of story. No, 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 and no, I think no. that's what I loved so much about Vertigo because I really started falling out of the comics by the time I did college. Yep. And that's about the time I was in college that that started popping up. I'm like, oh, I care again now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so Burger, thank you. Thank you for mm-hmm. staying in. <laughs> and, and Dark Horse, a fine place for you to be. So, yeah. oh, Rivik. And I got time for one more story. One All more right. story. Horror movie director and screenwriter Tom Holland recently took to Twitter to reveal that the rights to Fright Night would be reverting back to him in two years, courtesy of the Copyright Act of 1976. Not only that, but Holland also teased that he had some exciting plans in the works for the franchise. It It was also the very first movie Holland directed, and he sold the rights in 1984 to get the cult classic horror movie made. Since the Copyright Act of 1976 allows artists the chance to reclaim previously licensed works after 35 years, the rights to Fright Night will be back in Holland's hands in 2019. In a series of replies to fans, Holland elaborated on his plans. First, he revealed that he was working on a Fright Night 3 novel that he's almost finished writing, adding that many things grow from there, unquote. Holland also strongly hinted that the original film's characters, Charlie and Amy, will be back. When asked if another sequel to the original film was a possibility, Holland replied that it was his hope that a movie will be in the pipeline. Nice. That'd be nice. Oh, Fright Night. I yep. lo- Tom Holland horror movies, man. That child's play, come on. It's good. Welcome <laughs> to Fright Night. Oh, Fright- uh, you know what? I think the Amy makeup at the end of Fright Night might be one of my favorite makeup appliances of all time. Hmm. That, that, that wide mouth smile is amazing I, I first saw it as a kid and that, that quick reveal I don't think I remember my heart leaping more than that in anything mm-hmm. that that really shocked the hell out of me so that's big applause the Roddy McDowell one yes. with a go figure for Micah that one yeah okay yeah I love that now, now, I, I think of all the vampire films that might be my favorite of the vampire films really yeah I, I, I offhand I cannot think of one that I like more yeah, I remember uh, watching it for the first time. Uh, it was on cable. A friend of mine was raving about it, and I was just like, eh. And then I just started watching it, and that one. And I think, yeah, you know, that one more than, like, Lost Boys really caught me for those, that age, that era of vampire flicks and stuff like that. That and Roddy McDowell. That mm-hmm. was just, yeah. Well, There's just great characters throughout there. Chris yeah, Chris Sarandon is just so good as the uh, yeah. as the everyone's good. The villain they, they, in that. I can't one. remember the actor's name. The guy that plays evil 
the, the great sidekick character. Oh yeah, the, you're so cool, Brewster. Yeah, yeah. God, because he's he's always that kind of mousy sidekick character in everything yeah. he's been in. I don't. Know, I can't think of his name. I, I can't either. either. I, the only other movie I can remember him in is Summer Break. So it's one of those te- those college romp yeah. films. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't seen Fright Night yet, find it, enjoy oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dig it's, it up. It's, it's, it's very much a piece of its age, but as a film, it's aged well. Mm-hmm. The fact the effects are all practical, so that really well is done. That sticks together well too. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'd like to see more. And uh, Fright Night Two is a, a turd ball. So, <laughs> turd, I, I never saw Fright that one. I never saw the sequel. Uh, aside from starring Laszlo at a side role from uh, Real Genius. Okay. I can't think of anything to recommend that movie. I, I do, oh, Laszlo. Okay. All right. I, I do have one aside. I do. I remember first seeing it because I was with my cousin who was of age to be able to go see it because it was rated R when mm-hmm. it came out and I was too young and she really, really wanted to see it and she was angry because I was with her so we had to go see Real Genius instead. Oh, <laughs> she might have been angry, but it was a real formative moment for me. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, great movie. What's your formative moment? Write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check dandy. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Yeah. Hey, s- some more. Uh, it, I, just, I just called this up because I was trying to find something, and I was wrong on that. But holy crap, a Piranha Press. Epicurus the Sage. Oh, that was great. William yeah. Messner Lopes and Sam Keith. Fast Forward, uh, written by Grant Morrison, uh-huh. Kyle Baker, and Bill Messner Lopes. Knowing uh, that, she probably did have a hand in that. Yeah. Good hand. Because uh, she's one of. She, he's one of her pro- proteges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there would, that would, Fast Forward was an, edited by Andrew Helfer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So already, uh, I mean, Jesus, these names. And then I totally uh, forgot about these. Prince and the New Power Generation, Three Chains of Gold by Dwayne McDuffie. What? Wow. What the hell? I forgot there was a Prince comic. I Prince did, Alter Ego by Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cowan, and Kent Williams. I did not know a Prince comic existed. Yeah. I mean, aside from the rock and roll comics that were out at the time. Right, right. And actually, the uh, aside from Beautiful Stories, I think the Piranha Press... Uh, that uh, most people might know is Why I Hate Saturn oh, that's by a, Kyle yeah. Baker. I haven't heard of, except for Beautiful Stories. You haven't heard of Why I, I, I Hate Saturn? Of any of these. Yeah. Kyle Baker thing, um, it's it's in comic book form, but it's Kyle Baker art, so it's it's not superhero at all. It's, it's very uh, graphic-oriented. It's a, It would make a great independent film. <laughs> yeah, it would yeah, make yeah, a really yeah, great independent yeah, yeah. film. What's the base idea? It's um, two sisters, one of whom believes she's a space alien or has been sort of in a space opera, which is really, it's, that's not the whole thing. It's, it's a, two sisters interacting, basically. It's a, <laughs> that, you, that, you do it. That, you, well, dude, you do no, it. it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to explain, just, yeah. Piranha sure. Press is sufficiently, sufficiently weird. I mean, it really does make, you know, it makes Vertigo utterly tame that, you know, explaining it, explaining a lot of stories, it, I wouldn't try. Comic as art. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's and it, 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 you know, pretty cool. Uh, back in the day, I was not a big fan because that wasn't my thing in the day. But 
I was a retailer at the time, so I remember a lot of sure. uh, of those. So, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty. Ma- and of course, you know, names like Kyle Baker and Grant Morrison, etc. Um, the, just people getting their start or or working through that um, that time. A, uh, I linked on a um, great article in um, uh, Facebook that was talking about. I, I it, it showed up. Talked about the quote unquote feud. It was a I think it was Vice dot com between Grant Morrison and Alan Moore. Aha. So, and it was actually interesting because it talks about the fact that both of them are avowed magicians as well as uh, Alan Moore hacking on Morrison and Morrison returning the hack. And it was really funny because through that article, it was the first time um, the Invisibles actually became interesting to me. I, the, the explanation in the article... And so I actually borrowed the first three uh, trades from a friend to read because now I'm actually interested in reading that. And um, But the article itself, if you can uh, Google Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, um, it, it's actually quite interesting, quite fascinating. Oh, huh. Even, even <clears throat> in their approach to magic, Moore's approach versus Grant Morrison's approach versus the two of them hacking on each other. It's pretty, it's, it's very interesting and funny. I mean, I knew Moore was a practicing magician. Uh, I didn't realize that Morrison was until yeah. I, I read his book. He wrote a book about, what, eight years ago. And really, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a great book, and it's pretty much his philosophy of comics. Well, they're, it comes down they're to basically, it. according to that article, they're basically been sniping at each other as as. By writing their comics, sir. But, like, yeah. but one, of them, <laughs> one of them is basically a uh, <laughs> like Pac- in- Pax Americana is like a Morrison's single issue uh, stab at Watchmen, where he uses the original Charlton characters. Oh wow! That Moore was going to be inspired by, and eventually, you know, did not use, and instead did the 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 analogs. So he uses the original Charlton characters, but Pax Americana is. A single issue, and then they they break it down even further because apparently, it was uh you know how Watchmen did the three by three panel uh format for right. the art, Pax Americana does a four by four, and I I really am interested in reading this this now because apparently you can literally read that that comic anywhere. You can start at the beginning. Or you can start at the end and go backwards. You can start anywhere in the middle. Something. What? Mm. And I have no idea how in the hell you can structure like that, but it, it, it sounds very interesting. Okay. And that's just Pax Americana. You know, Invisibles. And I forget which one exactly it was, but Moore has one quote. Oh, God, fuck. I forgot the property they're talking about. But Moore talks about something that Morrison did, and he's like, uh, something along the lines of, yes, I've read it twice. The, you know, Once the, when I wrote it and once, once when, when he wrote it. Once <laughs> when I wrote it and once when he wrote it. Yeah, exactly. When he rewrote it. Yeah. When he rewrote it. Oh, and it's just, yeah. And wow. They, yeah. Okay. Beautiful I, Stories for Ugly Children. This this the titles of the various issues. A Cotton Candy Autopsy. <laughs> the Dead Johnson's Big Incredible Day. Diary of a Depressed Tap Dancer. The Black Balloon, The Crypt of the Magi, Happy Birthday to Hell, 
<laughs> Die Rainbow Die. <laughs> Where the Tarantulas Play. The Daffodils of Plague Town. Dangerous Prayers. The Pagan Taurus. The Santas of Demotion Street. The Conspiracy of Sweaters. It goes on. I'm I mean, 100% they are, in. Yeah. yeah. You would love titles it. Titles alone, I'm all yeah, in. Yeah, all of that is very Torgo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least.